Welcome back to another episode of Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. Jason Bristol in the Houston area. Jeremy Booth in... Where are you? Is that like I'm a guest room? I'm still, well, yeah, it's kind of a makeshift office for right now. Um, but I am coming back soon. We, we, have, we have a departure date. Um, we have some, some timelines that fit now. And I'm excited to get back to Texas. Everyone here talking about the punishment or lack of punishment for the Boston Red Sox. We saw this coming, though. We knew that it wasn't going to be as severe when compared to the Astros. They didn't do anything. I mean, that's, I mean well, that's not true. They did some things, just they didn't okay. do them. The, the, the Astros were at another level. So when you take the Astros as like the bar of what not to do and like check every box in that in that whole checklist of things not to do to make to uh, to get it done correctly. The Red Sox, all they did, Jason, um, and man, guy, it's still so weird to say all they did because they still did something, but they didn't do anything near what the Astros got. So, if many people feel the Astros punishment was light, and they do, and I am one of those people who feel the Astros got off light, then what is the Red Sox getting? What they got is. Minimal. I mean, that's what it is. It's minimal. They, what I have a problem with is I have them pro- a problem throwing that one guy under the bus. I really feel like they, they singled out the one person. It's an organizational issue if that's what happens. And I have some friends with the Red Sox. We have our signature event at Fenway Park. And, you know, um, I, I thought that the accountability of the organization as a whole has taken was pretty good. Sam Kane did a great job. And, um, you know, the people in their organization who have uh, have spoken about it, whether it's behind closed doors or, or publicly, have done a good job with it. Um, you know, I'm surprised Alex Cora didn't get more out of that. I mean, I think that linking him in anything with what he did in 17, turns around and wins another World Series in 18, and that, oh, by the way, that club is found to have been cheating to some capacity, uh, broken the rules, let's say, with sign stealing. I, I don't know how he's not immediately complicit in it. Now, if, you're, if the investigation says hey, you know what, he didn't do anything, then okay. But for me, the common denominator between the two clubs, they're using technology to steal signs the same general way was Alex Cora. And so for me, that's a problem. But here's where the big difference is that I saw. And I had a feeling that this is what was going to be a major separator between the Astros and the Red Sox was this idea that the Red Sox did what they were supposed to do in terms of making sure that Major League Baseball's memorandums were being passed through the chain and that the higher-ups were making sure that the people on the lower rungs of the food chain were complicit, or excuse me, were doing the things they were supposed to be doing per Major League Baseball's guidelines. As we all know, Major League Baseball investigation into the Astros revealed that according to MLB, Jeff Luno never forwarded any types of restrictions or rules or regulations to the people below him. While based on what we're reading from the Red Sox investigation, that indeed the Red Sox higher ups did do that. And I think that's a major reason why the Red Sox were not hammered. Um, if the commissioner says don't do something and you turn around and do it in 24 hours, you're going to get severity dealt with, right? It's very handed on to you. If you are Dave Dombrowski, whose character has never been challenged when it comes to this, and 
um, you know, won a World Series in 18 as a GM. Um, and 19, by the way, was Mike Rizzo. There's a similarity between Nebraska and Rizzo. And Luno cheated in 17 to his World Series. Um, Dombrowski forwards, Luno doesn't. You're looking at character differentials between the two human beings that, and how they ran their baseball operations department. Now, those are facts based on what they found. If Jason Bristol says to me, hey, has something comes across Jason Bristol's desk and I need to see it, I'm going to see it. That's the way it works. Something comes across my desk and you need to see, I'm giving it, I'm like, hey man, you know, check this out. We're not going to be in a situation where we're putting things in, 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 um, in each other in, in a questionable path, let's say. Astros didn't do that. Red Sox did. Red Sox get a, I don't even know if that's a slap on the wrist. Jason, what is that? Is that like a, 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 a finger wagging? Like, don't do this again? Is that, is that what that is? I mean, I, you know, and, and, the, and the Astros get hit for as hard as, a, as allowable, I guess, by Major League Baseball. I also found it interesting in Major League Baseball's report about the Red Sox. It seemed as though the players really didn't have, the Boston players have a true sense of what's allowable and what's not allowable because of, I think, where the information on signs was coming from. And I think Major League Baseball is kind of, they should be a little bit at fault because they allow a guy like their replay system operator, J.T. Watkins, for the Red Sox to then be the guy who can deliver the information for these these guys, these hitters, so that they know they advanced scouting. Let's just call it advanced scouting, right? <laughs> I like that. Um, I just I think that the net, the net result of this though is that it's all going to be different in the future. I mean, the baseball has already put in different rules. Um, organizations are going to be more diligent with the people that they have and who's allowed. You know, and and it's it's sad to say this in a way, but with this pandemic is going to serve as a little bit of a reset button with Major League Baseball. I, I really believe that. Um, the more people I talk to acknowledge that that's a very strong possibility. The draft's going to look, look a lot different now and next year. Um, international draft seems to be almost a certainty. They, they pretty much agreed with Major League, Major League Baseball on the, uh, what was it, contraction of 40 different teams, right? Potentially. Um, and, two and two independent clubs, St. Paul Saints. I'm a former Saint back from, you know, yeah, I'm a former Saint from, uh, I guess 24 years. Holy cow, has been that long? You're a lot of things. 22 years ago. Um, but it's, yeah, and, and the Sugarland Skeeters, who have done a great job in our, in our city, right, of what they do. So um, potentially going to affiliated clubs. I, I, don't, um, I don't see Major League Baseball stopping there. If you're a GM and you're on the hot seat, this might be a reset button for you where you're no longer around. If you were a scout or player development uh you know, member of baseball operations and you weren't doing a good job or if you were an analytics guy. I mean, there's, they've been outsourcing it. They've already outsourced analytics to get away from the people they have internally. Decided to outsource to different groups and pay them a different fee because of budget savings, right? You're looking at a time now when that's absolutely the way that people are going to go. You may see smaller scouting departments. You may see smaller player development. Well, you have to now with 40 less affiliates, right? Smaller development staffs. And you might see smaller analytics groups. Um, Usually, baseball's chance to hit the reset button on the rules if they wanted to, and come together in a way uh, without having to worry about a season being played in March or, or April um, to get this right. Time twenty one comes around. I find it very interesting that you're right. This pandemic has caused a number of issues to be 
looked at or changed or reset in the game. The minor league thing still, mm, I mean, I know that the major league baseball people will say that, yes, we're improving the, we're improving salaries for these players, which I think is what everybody wants. But to think that the contraction of all these clubs is a good thing. I still have a big issue with that because, you know, I had a contract, a player contract, Dyer Miller, a former yeah. pitcher for the Orioles from 19 late sixties, early seventies. And even then he was making $550 a month mm-hmm. and think how much, how much revenue has grown in the game and minor league salaries. What's the lowest at one point? It was what? Eight, 900 a month. So has it really increased that much over a 40 year period? And this contraction is supposedly going to cure all ills that they can actually now pay these guys. Come on. Major league baseball wants a piece. They see these, these independent operators of these teams making tons of money off the backs of their players. And they want a piece of the action, not just a piece. They want basically the whole pie. They want the whole pie. MLB is, done a lot of things recently that have been about uh, revenue first. You know, I saw an article the other day or a tweet rather, you know, Luno was supposed to be gone from the game. He's not gone from the game. This is the Luno plan, right? Mm-hmm. This is the contraction plan and it's not good for baseball. Um, for me, you, you're doing a lot of things by this. Yeah. You're increasing your bottom, you're, you know, helping your bottom line, increasing your revenue. And, and I get that. Um, but you know, their amateur efforts, even stuff that we're doing that isn't affiliated with major league baseball it's a lot about growing the games. It's about growing the game, getting kids to play, getting people to understand it. MLB has a plan, a program they're running in schools called Fun at Bat, right? Just pick up a bat and ball, let's go play. They have their play ball initiative, same thing. No rules, just play baseball. Um, but you have a situation with this pandemic where spring sport athletes of this year, right, what, no matter what, what it is, lost a season. The NCAA has decided to give that season back to those athletes. There's a bottleneck now in college and now a bottleneck in professional baseball, some of which is going to be cleared out by, you know, those affiliates when they don't play and when they're gone. Um, but there's limited spots. You now change the amount of availability to move on and make this a career. If you've done that, you're going to change how it's going to get passed out, whether it's as a sportscaster, whether it's as a, a coach or a scout, whether it's as a fan and how he, he or she relays the game to their children. It's, it changes opportunities to see baseball. Um, and the, hap- the best people, the people that benefited the most from this move were basketball, football, hockey, lacrosse, and soccer, because all these other kids are going to go play something else. So for the efforts that Major League Baseball has made to grow the game, financially, while I understand it, it seems to fly right in the face of those efforts and what they say about growing the game, get as many people to play as possible if you take away opportunities. And that's what they've done. They've taken away opportunities for people to enjoy the and you, of course, are about creating opportunities, not just for amateur players and professional prospects, but you're also, and I don't know, was this born from on Twitter? Was this born on Twitter? Uh, holding a scout school. So can you give us a little info about what scout school? Because I know Major League Baseball has had a scout school in the past, correct? They have what is your vision time. of it? And and how how is it going to manifest itself? MLB out school for a long, you know, a couple of decades. Um, ironically, the guy that's our scout director now, Rick Oliver, scout school for MLB. So 
you know, I, I didn't go to scout school. A lot of guys of organizations hired directly didn't go to scout school, but many, many, many people did. And it was kind of a path where you could get sponsored by clubs, where you paid your own way, and MLB Scouting Bureau would, would uh, uh, you know, refer you or, or stamp you or certify you. You completed it, and then organizations would have a list of that. And it was a, it was a pathway in. It was an entry point. I am um, a person who believes in this game. Uh, if you'll allow me four seconds to get on a soapbox. I'm a person who – yeah, who in this game believes we've kind of lost our way a little bit in our terminology and our communication and our understanding and our evaluation of players. Um, I don't think that an age of information sharing, which is really what Twitter is and what Facebook was sharing everything, right? Um, that we should not make that available to people who want to be part of baseball. Even a, 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 someone who just wants to be a dad to his, to his son or his daughter, even somebody who um, you know, wants to be a, a travel baseball coach or a little league coach should probably have an understanding of what they're doing and how to advance players and, and, and recognize athletes and be able to, you know, move people different around differently because there's no two players that are the same. Um, for a while now, probably two years, I've been asked about doing a scout school. And I've been so focused on the initiatives of, of you know, my of P15 and New Balance Baseball that I haven't thought about doing a scout school. It just wasn't, we weren't ready. Well, guess what? In this pandemic, a little bit of downtime. Now, we're, I mean, we're obviously you know, getting ready to go again here for us because we look like we're pretty much all clear, but it's a little bit of downtime. And I've already got it. We already have a manual that we use. Our advisory board has seen it. It's a scouting and player development manual. It's involved with analytics and technology and the things that are more modern about the game today. And, um, but it doesn't change the subjective evals of pitchers. It doesn't change roles. It doesn't change what we have. Just so we look at it value different, it doesn't change what you need. And uh, there's been a lot of interest to do it. So I said, you know what? I got to ask, hey, would you consider doing this? So I threw it out on Twitter, and it got like 500 and something plus likes. It got you know, seen by over 200,000 people because I looked at the analytics. It was just it was a joke. How many people did that? My, my direct DMs blew up. Emails blew up. Our info at blew up. And it was like, all right, we'll put this together. I've got to – Somebody I'm working with on this, um, who I can't release the name of the platform because I think he wants to keep that private till next week. But um, we're there, man. We're already there because I had the stuff already done. So I've basically given him the material. He's sent it back to me to approve it. Um, we've uploaded several courses, and it's going to be available to the public sometime next week. So anybody can do it. Yeah, we're going to vet people a little bit, meaning you, know, you have to apply and sign up and. You know, I don't want people who are going to misuse it or be disrupted to the course. There's going to be an online content with the Zoom at some point. There'll be report writing. There'll be uh, videos of players who have, you know, been, dra been drafted or participated in our events. You know, what different levels? Why is this guy a prospect? Why is he not? Um, you know, we have some very exciting events for people to attend. Underclass, obviously, International Week. Uh, you know, um, our national tournaments. So we have some things people can do to come out and see players and evaluate them and write reports on. So... There's, there's a chapter-by-chapter chapter course here that you have to go. There's quizzes and tests, and as long as you're somebody who wants to really get better at it and you're not using it for the wrong reasons, we'll let you in. Do you have a price point yet? So I've thrown out a couple different price points to people, and one person, you know, each time, each time, these well, two people said, that's it. And I, I just, you know, I, I'm just trying to do something that makes sense to me. You know, what makes sense to me and maybe we don't value the knowledge and experience enough in ourselves. Maybe that's the baseball side. If you've been humbled in this game, it's hard to talk money sometimes with this stuff because even though 
everything has a cost to it. We all have to live and we all have to eat. This is knowledge I'm passing on. Plus you need to make, you have to make it worth your while too. Sure. But it, you know, when you're, when you're in baseball, it, it beats you up so bad that if you've been beaten up before, no matter how much you succeeded at it, you know, talking money ain't the most comfortable part about it. Right. So um, I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there to a model that works. I, I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, I do know this, it'll be affordable for people to be able to pick up, uh, take, you know, take, take the quizzes, take the, the course, drop it if they need to get back onto it later. It'll be something that people can handle. I already have one of the quiz questions in my head right now. What do you got? One of the quiz questions should be, one of the quiz questions should be, name the player that Jeremy missed on, the one that he completely missed on. <laughs> You know, that's, I'm just gonna leave me. That's gonna, I'm never gonna leave that. Montgomery told me one time he's a bear. You know, he's that one player. Um, do you have the answer, Jason? Do you know the answer? Of course, Texas State okay. first baseman, Paul. Goldstein. Drafted by the Dodgers out of high school, the Woodlands. Yeah, he sure was. And then, uh, or the I think it was the Angels actually. It was the Angels. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, Paul Goldschmidt. Drafted by the LA Dodgers in the 49th round of the 2006 MLB draft. Awesome. Um, and he goes Texas to the State. eighth round out of Texas yeah. State. And Paul Goldsmith will forever be a lesson because he, man, Paul, <laughs> Paul Goldsmith has had the best career out of that draft besides Steven Strasburg and Mike Trout in the 2009 draft. If there's, if there is, and those guys, you know, Strasburg went one and Trout went 24. And then Goldschmidt goes all the way to the eighth round, right? He has career. Also in that draft, Brandon Belt, um, you know, some other guys uh, throughout that have had careers. Brandon Belt comes to mind because he was in the area. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's an interesting uh, a story. And it's one that I learned from. That's how these guys are going to be able to learn is not just from the successes, but also the failures. All right, Jeremy. Thanks for uh, checking in with us. Yeah, man. I can't wait to get back. And, and I mean, this is pretty socially distant just without being, you know, it is 2,000 miles or six feet apart, whichever one comes first. So, all right. Thanks, Jeremy. And uh, we'll talk to everybody later on Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth.